Hey guys, welcome to The Gunshot with me, Johnny, and today we are down at the Game and Wildlife Conservation Trust to talk about woodcock. And for this, I have found myself a woodcock expert. Please introduce yourself. So I'm Dr. Andrew Hoodless from the Game and Wildlife Conservation Trust. Tell me about your woodcock past. Um, I suppose I first uh, got introduced to woodcock when I was oh, about eight years old with my dad. Um, saw a roading bird and, you know, was quite interested in wildlife generally. Um, by the time I got to my teens I was a keen birder and got very few sightings of woodcock um, until I started at the Trust here and um, did a PhD on woodcock um, based up at wow. Durham University. Okay, and was there any particular, what, what drove you towards that as a PhD choice or was it just the fact that you worked at the Game Wildlife Conservation Trust? Uh, no, it was a species that had always in, intrigued me and um, coming here I was fortunate enough to have the opportunity to, to study the bird. Um, I guess what really appealed as a scientist was it was a species that was sort of surrounded in mystery and um, there hadn't been much written about woodcock at that time. Um, so, you know, go back to the 1970s and it was assumed that woodcock were monogamous. So. They uh, mated in territorial pairs, like a lot of you know, common garden birds, blackbirds and robins, whereas now we know that they're a polygamous species and the male will mate with several females, and that's why he has that peculiar sort of roading display. So even, even now, there's still a lot more to learn about the species, which is what fascinates me. All right. So I suppose let's start real easy with woodcock. What is a woodcock? Uh, so, uh, the woodcock's a wading bird. Um, An inland wader. Yes, it, it's unique amongst the waders. It's the very few species, you know, wood sandpiper's another one that breeds, you know, and, and spends most of its year inland. Um, but most waders are, are sort of shorebirds, is, is the American term for them. So they spend most of their lives on the coast. Do you see woodcock on the coast? Uh, when they're migrating. So a lot of people, uh, fishermen, you know, on the... Um, coast of you know, Lincolnshire, Norfolk, in sort of October, November we'll see woodcock very often early morning migrating. Coming this way? Coming this way uh, to winter in Britain, um, but they're not there for long, you know, a couple of hours and then they're off again. Um, so when, when they are sort of migrating, let's talk about migration route wise, they come here for the winter, Yep. then they go. Yes. What percentage of the population is actually resident in the UK? Uh, so we estimate that we have about 55,000 males breeding. Quite a few. Um, so yeah, yeah uh, reasonable What's population. the population balance with females? Uh, so we, as you can imagine, it's, it's a, <laughs> a cryptic species, it's very difficult to survey. Yeah. Uh, so we've come up with a, a sort of species specific method that involves counting males when they're displaying in spring. Okay. And we estimate, as I say, a national population currently of about 55,000 males. And but we, we, we have to assume a, a sort of one-to-one -one sex ratio. Hopefully. Yeah. Possibly. And, but generally speaking, how do you sex a woodcock apart from their display in the hand? Uh, from behaviour. Um, if you happen to have a bird in the hand, females tend to have longer bills and shorter tails. Um, but mm -hmm. only by taking measurements. And even then you know, 60, 70 percent of them. Buy a drink and take it home and yeah. <laughs> find out. Yeah. Okay, so where do they migrate to? Um, so we're, we're seeing them in autumn, as you rightly say, they're coming here to winter because they're, they're pushed off their breeding grounds um, in the autumn. Basically, we have a, a large breeding population right across Scandinavia, um, through Russia between about 50 and 70 degrees north, right the way out to sort of far eastern Russia. 
Wow, so. uh, but as soon as it, the ground starts to freeze in autumn, they can no longer feed. You know, they've got that long bill for a reason because they're taking earthworms, other soil invertebrates. Um, so as soon as the ground freezes, they're, they're stuffed. They have to move. Um, so they're coming to us for, for milder climates um, so that they can live out the winter here before going back to the breeding grounds in spring. Okay. So I presume um, in terms of pressures, they face pressures all the way from there all the way to here in terms of shooting pressures? Yep. Or is that, so the big question I sort of wanted to ask is, we obviously came under oh, any sort of chastisement or anything, but internal pressure to not yes. shoot with last year. And a lot of that was from you guys, probably yep. right from you to be honest. <laughs> Why? Um, so there are some concerns, you know, woodcock is, is a species that's widely hunted right across Europe. Um, so we estimate that the European population is seven to nine million uh, males. Um, but in Europe as a whole, there's between three and three and a half million a shot every oh, winter. Wow. So it's, it's quite a large number a shot, um, mainly in France, Italy, Greece. Um, but even in Britain, it's estimated that about 160,000 are shot each year. I wonder how many are shot at. <sighs> yeah, and a lot more you know, <laughs> shot at and missed, I'm sure, and cursed. Wow. But, um, That's a lot. I mean, yeah, it's a lot when you think that, you know, if we've got um, a breeding population of about 55,000 males, so an equivalent number yeah. of females, 110, and they might raise a chick per pair, so, you know, 165,000 total autumn population and we're shooting a similar number yes. to our, our total autumn British population. That's crazy. Um, and uh, how but many... But we estimate, yeah. sorry, we estimate that our, our winter population varies each winter from 800,000 up to about one and a half million. That makes me feel a lot better. Yeah. That, I mean, that, that is, that does make one feel a lot better. So a British bird in, in winter is one in 10, one in 14 of, of the total wintering population. So, why are, uh, what was the call for us not to shoot? Was it just that they had had a bad year abroad, or was it just that you didn't want us to? Um, no, you know, we're, we're trying to work to a system where we're educating uh, shooters about woodcocks, so that they're more aware of the ecology of the species, where they're coming from, and, you know, pressures not just here, but ar abroad. Um, Personally, I do a lot of uh, ringing of woodcock as part of our ongoing studies here at the Trust um, and along with Owen Williams who runs the, the yeah. Woodcock Network based in Mid Wales. Um, he and, and a number of other volunteers across the country, we're all out ringing woodcock in the autumn. How, do you, how does one ring a woodcock? Uh, so we tend to go out at night with a lamp. Um, through the summer the woodcock's mainly a, a sort of woodland species. Yeah. Um, but come the autumn, they're out feeding on fields at night. It, it's yeah, easier to access yeah. food. And We've all been out lamping. And if you're out them, lamping for foxes, yeah. you're putting you, up woodcock. You see woodcock left, yeah. right and centre. Yeah. yeah. Um, so that's the easiest way. It's much easier than and you catch catching the net. them. Yeah, just a, a cart net on a long pole, a three metre pole. And, and a, a bit bright, of bright lamp. Yeah. <laughs> um, a rougher, you know, windy, wet night, you'll catch 50% of what you see. A no. still moonlit night, you're so you, struggling to I catch suppose, one. Spot eyes. Yeah. Sneak on in. Yep. That's and right. We'll it. Yeah, it's quite a good sport. You know, it's <laughs> That's quite <an> epic sport. <laughs> That's like green hunting at its best, isn't yeah. it? <laughs> yeah, it really is. You know, it's, um, I've done it for years, but it's quite good fun. And 
So, you know, we take students out here, give them the experience and, and insight into the ecology of the birds. So you, you catch the bird, yep. you put a leg ring on it or a wing tag? A uh, leg ring, okay. yeah, a metal leg ring. And what do you do with that information? Where does that go? Uh, so each, each bird gets a unique number um, and we take some basic biometrics. Um, perhaps the most important thing we do is we age the bird. So with woodcock you can age them as a first year bird. So as I say we're catching in winter so we can age them as a bird that hatched the previous summer or an adult bird so at least two years old. Um, and normally what Owen and I see is quite a lot of juveniles, you know, first year birds um, from October, late October, right through almost till Christmas. And then Certainly, migratory ones, generally speaking. And yes, you know, 90% of those are going to be migratory ones. You can't, okay. no. No, we've tried all sorts of, you know, taking measurements. Um, for thrushes, for instance, continental birds, you know, Scandinavian birds tend to have longer wings than our resident birds, but with woodcock, woodcock it doesn't seem to hold. Woodcock. Yeah, there's no obvious way of telling. They go back to the same place every year and come back? Or do they say, I'm going to go Greece this year? Or Well, that's the reason we initially started the, the ringing. You know, no one really knew how site-faithful site these birds were. Um, I've been doing oh, ringing for 10 years locally now and slightly longer at a site down in Cornwall. We catch the same birds back winter really? after winter, you know, on sites where we know the majority of birds are migrants. And we catch them pretty much within the same field and very often within the same patch within the same field. That's amazing. And subsequently, we've been doing tagging with, you know, more expensive technology, satellite tags. Okay. Um, and we've been able to track the migration of those birds. Uh, so we normally tag them in February or March and track them to the breeding grounds. They're normally there by late April, early May. Um, and then the following winter, they're back in exactly the same field in Hampshire or Cornwall, having travelled well up to 7,000 kilometres to reach the breeding grounds, some of them. Wow. So a round trip of 14,000 kilometres we've year. had. For yeah. a bird the size of your fist, really. Yeah. It's not, it's not bad, is it? It's astounding, isn't it? <laughs> it's you know, amazing. it's really... It's, it's really opened our eyes and a lot of shooters' eyes um, to, to the extent that I've had people say I won't ever shoot one again because I had no idea how far they were going. But I'll go and shoot a goose, don't worry about that. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so, so we're, not, we're not saying the woodcock's a rare bird. You know, I think a woodcock is, is a lot more common than Joe Public yeah. would ever perceive just because most people aren't out in the habitats. Yeah. You know, without a dog, you just don't put them up. I know myself from radio tracking woodcock, um, so a small you know, VHF tag yeah. that we can pinpoint birds with. They will run very well through a woodland. Just they they hear the noise and, and I'm sure on shoots you've seen it. You know, some woodcock will run yeah. the length of a wood and never get put up by the dogs. Um, so, oh, we've got long legs, I suppose. <laughs> yeah, they're surprisingly agile runners. And again, when you're lamping them at night, some birds will sit and some will just get up and, and run from you. So is it, is it more human pressures that you're worried about, or not worried about, that are of more concern to woodcock than any other? So place? the issue we've really got is over our own sort of resident breeding population. There's, there's good evidence now from the National British Trust for Ornithology surveys that since uh, the early 1970s we've seen a decline in our, our breeding woodcock population. And we're not fully sure what the reasons for that are. Uh, we, th we think it's a, a, a mix of factors um, on the back of 
uh, subsequent national surveys that, that give us those more detailed population estimates. Uh, we think that habitat woodland fragmentation is an issue, so we know that woodcock tend to go for larger, more wooded yeah. landscapes. Um, predation, you know, they're a ground nesting bird, so like pheasants and partridges, they're susceptible yeah. to foxes, but you know, in the case of woodcock, probably badgers, the, we know the badger population's been increasing for the last 40 years. Um, and probably disturbance as well, um, particularly dog walkers with dogs off leads, you know, once a bird on a nest is disturbed, there's probably more risk of it being predated subsequently. Oh, no. so, so there's a range of factors going on. Um, but too, too many people being yeah. the, the fairly standard one that always comes back to. Too yeah. many people, not enough land. Yes. Um, you know, and we've, we, we don't have good evidence for it at the moment, but we're seeing an increase in, well, certainly in this part of the world, you know, roe and muntjac populations oh, have, spike, have yeah. rocketed in the last 15, and 20 I can't years. And muntjac and woodcock get on too well. Uh, no, muntjac, exactly. Yeah, it's, it's not a good annoying. mix. Yeah. Um, so they're probably subtly altering the understory in which woodcock nest. Um, but it's that added disturbance as well, perhaps putting them off the nest a bit more than... So what is, it, what is an ideal woodcock habitat? If, if one was to take that field, for example, a yep. six, seven acre field, and said, I'm going to make that a woodcock habitat, how would one go about that? Uh, so I'd do quite different things um, if I wanted winter habitat compared to breeding habitat. Okay. So, so woodcock are a lot more specific about what they want in the breeding season. Uh, the breeding season being when? When do they lay? Um, so very often from mid-March okay. um, and they're breeding right through till sort of end of July, even Quite into late. September in some years in Britain. Wow. But that's exceptional. The sort of the main breeding season is sort of end of March till sort of end of June this time of year. Um, so they'll nest in quite sparse woodland, um, sort of mature woodland with relatively little ground cover. Um, even even on birch, uh, sorry, in in beech, you know, with, yeah, with very little but trees, yeah. 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 Um, but then, as soon as they've hatched, they want to take the chicks into thicker cover, so they need a bit of ground cover. Um, dogs' mercury is is good. Um, Bluebells sometimes, ransoms, that sort of low sort of cover, yeah. foot high sort of cover. Yeah. And our radio tracking has shown that um, you know again, predation's an issue on chicks, but particularly. Once they've got chicks, it's those avian sparrowhawks. And, you know, I've had radio tagged females in, in um, tawny owl nests as well. So a, a sort of shrub layer is important. Hazel, particularly good. Yeah. And I think, you know, again, that might be another factor in the decline, longer term decline of woodcock is you go back to the sort of pre-Second World War area and there was a lot of hazel coppicing and use of yeah. coppice products, which, you know, we just no, don't have not, the market yeah. for. But that would have created good, you know, over in Kent as well, not just hazel, but sort of sweet chestnut coppice over there would have been very good for breeding woodcock. Um, as I say, in winter, they're far less specific. So in, in the breeding season, they need a variety of stands. Yeah. And that's what comes out in our national analysis, as well as the size of the woodland. It's really the variety of habitats. They want a variety of, of stands, some sort of young, dense woodland. Um, as well as the taller, more mature stuff. So it's not just um, one thing that you can make from it. It's not like a no. pheasant that has a very... Oh, bar now. Yeah. That's nice. Yeah, yeah so we, have, we have them breeding locally. We've got a box Lovely. on a 
our site here. Um, but yeah, nice to see this time of day. Yeah, I was going to say, <laughs> so, must have yes. woken him up. Yeah, but plenty of voles over that meadow, so yeah. Lovely. Sorry, that was a real gentle distraction. I couldn't help but point that out. I wasn't expecting to see it this yeah. time of day. Uh, where were we? Um, uh, perfect habitats. Yeah, so, so in winter they're far less specific, so you can put them up under thick hedgerows, oh, you know, yeah, you'll find coastal gorse in Cornwall, for instance, wow. or yeah. west of, uh, of Wales. Um, where yeah, there's food, if you I want to encourage kind of woodcock then. in winter, you know, thicker bramble they particularly like. Um, you know, the classic one is under holly because they shelter from the rain. Um, lack of disturbance, I guess, is yes, regardless of, of where it is, that lack of disturbance um, is going to be there. Yeah, top so if you're releasing too many pheasants, it's probably not going to help your woodcock numbers in winter. Um, but both in the breeding season and in winter, just getting some open space in the woodland as well. So woodcock are, are flighting in and out of woodland. I've mentioned that you know, in winter yeah. they're flighting out onto fields to feed, but actually we've had females that have lost nests and the first thing they do is they're out in the fields at night again to try and get back into condition for perhaps laying a replacement clutch. And that's where your sort of September broods will come in potentially. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. they will they will lay again. Uh, yes, Not they'll they'll lay up to three times, so they can lay, lose up to two nests, and, and so they really are fascinating little birds, aren't they? Yeah. So, yeah. do you shoot? Uh, no, I used to when I was younger, mainly rough shooting rabbits, pigeons. Yeah. But I, I've got younger kids, and I I don't find much time to do it these days. Yeah, um, I'll do it for you, and, pretty much. Uh, to some extent, I've lost that sort of Killer teenage uh, or you know bloodlust of youth. The, the more I see, and particularly the more I study woodcock, the less inclined I am to want to, to shoot one. But it doesn't make you unhappy that they are a hunted species? No, no, I've, I've no issue with, with people that want to, to shoot them. And I think at present, you know, um, as far as we can tell, current levels of shooting are sustainable. Um, so although the numbers across Europe as a whole that are taken are pretty large, there is now quite good monitoring going on in Russia Mm -hmm. uh, using the same method that we use to survey roading males here. Um, and all the indications are that their breeding population is stable. Um, and the same in Scandinavia, in well, Norway and Sweden. Than we do, so, you know, exactly. You know, I've, through my work, I've been lucky enough to go out there and, and you know, travel the sort of Finnish Russian border. Yeah. And the extent of their forests, it would take a major sort of perturbation yeah. to really uh, disrupt those forests and, and the breeding grounds. So I think, yeah. We'll always have some major, we'll always have some migratory ones Major shoot, disasters <laughs> accepting, then I think. So, I mean, what do you think the future holds with woodcock, certainly in this country shooting-wise? You reckon we're pretty clear for, for, the, next, for the foreseeable future? Yeah, um, you know, touching on the conversation we had earlier, we're trying, Owen and I are trying to get to the point where you know, we can issue an early warning on the basis of our ringing. So the reason for that warning last winter was the fact that um, normally we see a lot of juveniles early in the season and we weren't seeing that. We were seeing more adults and, and much lower numbers of birds on our ringing sites than we normally do. So it was, it was just flagging up a bit of caution to say to people, you know, rather than going out and expecting to shoot usual numbers yeah. of woodcock on your first shoot of the season you know perhaps just lay off them for a few weeks uh, and get a better handle of what's on your ground you know, and as we've touched on if you're out lamping for foxes you've got a pretty good you'll, idea you'll of, of woodcock quick, yeah. numbers so just 
you know, speak to your keeper, find out whether they're seeing average numbers of woodcock before you. Are you better off waiting you... until later in the year so you shoot the migratory ones more than the resident ones, or is that just, so we have... it doesn't matter? No, we have been advocating that. Yeah. Um, as I say, the issue we have is, is not with the migrant numbers. We know that Russian numbers are holding up, numbers yeah. in Scandinavia. So we have a specific concern about the state of Resident our resident ones. breeding population and we're still trying to get fully to the bottom of what's causing that. At present we can't rule out shooting as a contributor, yeah. probably not at a, a sort of national scale, but locally yeah. you know you might be having an effect. Uh, whereas if you, so what we're advocating is hold off until the 1st of December yeah. By which time, you know, if you've been out with a lamp, you'll have an idea of what sort of numbers of migrants are coming in. Um, and then plan your shooting accordingly, once you've got a feel for Would you whether the, the migrants are in. I wouldn't personally go that far at the moment. Okay. But yes, you know, that's something to hold up our sleeves for future, perhaps. Okay. Um, what about bag limits? What about that? Yes, again, you know, last year from a few, a few people I know just saying that actually it would yeah. make a lot of sense if, well, if you're only allowed one per day, then you'd be all right. Um, it would stop an awful lot. It would stop woodcock shoots, which would be yeah. sad. There's, there is increasing concern now about commercial shoots in certain parts of the country, particularly in the West, you know, taking large bags. Um, I think, in fairness, the jury is out. You know, we really don't know whether you know a guy with his mates and a couple of dogs out every saturday in mid wales for instance going through the same cover week on week but perhaps only taking small numbers of woodcock each time is more of a disturbance and, and detriment to woodcock than perhaps um, a larger shoot say in cornwall that might shoot 70 woodcock on a single occasion in January but then leaves the covers completely yeah. quiet for the rest of the season. Um, you know the total bag at the end of the season might be quite the same but... Yeah I've read a, well listened to a very interesting thing about turkeys in America, a very similar sort of affair that says that it doesn't matter how many are shot to affect a population area, it's how many hunters are hunting and how long the hunting season is. Yeah. How much disturbance that, that is caused to the birds will affect local populations significantly more than anything else. Yeah, no, I think Which holds a lot of stake, I suppose, in the same. Scenario. So that's something, you know, in fairness, we, we don't have all the answers, but it's something we want to look at and, and get a bit more, you know, so that we can just guide shooters as to what might be the best way forward. Yeah. Should people listen to you? Yeah, I think so. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm not professing to be you know the sole expert or, or you know to know it all by any means we're we're on a you are dedicated your road life to, it, which to, is significantly to trying to find out has. you know more and you know i would be very sad if we lost woodcock shooting in the uk i think um shooters have a lot to contribute uh, and this is what i've argued with our other organizations i think if we were to ban woodcock shooting tomorrow then we lose those people with the passion for the species yeah. who, who like to take a bag in the winter, but also actually understand the species through a lifetime's experience of it. Yeah, actually has a relationship and, with them personally. Uh, yeah, exactly. And they're the very people that can help us recover the breeding population. Yeah, they know the habitats that will to be incentivized. Exactly. And yes. if, if yeah. you can't push out that little dirty bit of cover over there, for example, for woodcock, then we might as well yeah. just take it out. 
And you know, and locally here in Hampshire, I've been very encouraged that we've got commercial pheasant shoots that have deliberately stopped their woodcock shooting. So they say no woodcock shooting. They will nice. perhaps have a single day for the beaters at the end of the season where they allow woodcock to be shot. Yeah. But you know, they know that if they allow woodcock to be shot every day of the pheasant well, when season, they're shooting hundred days a year, they, yeah. they will shoot them out or, or you know shoot out the local breeding. So, so they understand. Um, you know, I, I think it's far better to have that dialogue and to try and put out sensible messages of restraint rather than uh, you, you just antagonise people by banning and, and following a precautionary principle without understanding people's engagement uh, uh, with a particular species. Managing it on the smaller yeah. scale than just going, right, nobody's allowed anymore. You know. That would really would be a very um, sad situation. You know, that said, you know, with black grouse and grey partridge, for instance, populations have got to the state where uh, Game and Wildlife Conservation Trust have said that we think a voluntary moratorium is the best way forward. Um, and guns have accepted that. Um, you know, yeah. I hope we don't get to that point with woodcock, but if we did, I'd like to think that the majority of people, if we could provide good evidence for it, would accept that for a few years until we came to the point where you know, we yeah. believed it was sensible to reinstate shooting again. I'd very much like if the shooting world was sensible as that and not. I think there's a little bit too much greed that goes on for everybody to actually get on board, which is always the way, unfortunately. It's, it's like any walk of life. There's always a spectrum and there's always a few bad eggs that, yeah. you know, are, are always going to ignore our advice. And unfortunately, they are the ones that will discredit everyone else um, you know and way. I'm certainly in this day and age with social media it's so easy for those that don't like shooting to pick up on the so I, I they're think, a hell of a lot louder than we are a hell of a lot louder I think I read a thing there's what three and a half million vegans in the UK yep and not quite that amount of shooters yeah um, which is a astonishing yeah sort of thing and they are legendarily noisy and we are less so very yeah. much less so, which is yeah. that's why we're here today more than anything. <laughs> <laughs> uh, is there any concluders you'd like to add on Woodcock before we sort of wrap up in that department? Um, yeah, way forward, I guess, is, you know, we'd encourage people to, to listen to our messages and, you know, judge for yourself. Are, are we making the right call? Mm. Um, we'd like to think we can guide, you know, the community towards more sustainable woodcock shooting um, and I think you know there's there's a broader debate to be had again about shooting as a whole you know we're living in interesting times as they say the whole future so. of shooting is is coming under increasing scrutiny and I think it's it's really a time when we need much better sort of research and information um, because other people are putting out relatively poorly researched information on the other um, side, on the flip side. We need to counter that speaking. strongly, um, yeah. but we need, you know, the shooting community to listen and act appropriately. Indeed, indeed. And is it just the Game Wildlife Conservation Trust who is is sort of got that scientific approach towards this? Uh, yeah, very much. You know, we've always worked in partnership with other countryside organisations, so we've never been a, a lobbying organisation. We've always worked to come up with the facts so we employ um, you know 
boffins, if you like, who have PhDs, and, but have a real passion for the species and an understanding. Um, and we like to provide the facts for others to use, so BSC or... Yes. People who are significantly better at shouting Countryside back. Alliance or, yeah. yes, you know, we all work in collaboration, we discuss the issues, um, but we provide the facts that they can then use uh, to lobby. Um, so what, are, what are your thoughts on shooting future on the whole? I mean, it's a bit of an aside, but it is a very interesting one nonetheless. Yeah, you know, I, I think it ought to be quite rosy. Um, you know, as I've said, it's like any walk of life. There are issues that, that need to be addressed, I think. There's that um, in your so, head. What, what are those issues in your head? Uh, grouse mall management increasingly is coming under scrutiny. Do you think um, it should? I mean, I don't, I don't think that they were doing anything bad there. Or what is that? You obviously know a lot more than I will. On well, subject. you know, burning on blanket bulk, for instance, is... Not wise. Not wise, you know, and I think we all understand that now. Um, so, you know, we need to rein that in and, and get on top of that. Um, you know, wrapped persecution is the other one. Well, I mean, nobody condones that. Whatsoever. That, no. Um, However, I do feel like there should be room for licenses for problem birds. I, don't, I think it should be a give and take there. Not something rare. But a buzzard, for example, of which you could probably sit here of an evening and with a pair of binos, spot four or five without too much effort, I would have thought. Certainly is that sort of way around where I live. Yeah, I don't think there should be a problem with going, I'd like to remove a portion of that population. The issue, as I perceive it, is we're increasingly in polarised debates. Uh, there are very strong opinions on both sides of these arguments and facts um, rarely speak when opinions and present. the facts often get buried I think we really need a more open debate about you know as you say buzzard numbers um, you know red kite, red kite reintroductions are a classic well, you know, I can remember as a 17 year old and a keen birder going all the way with my dad to Wales to see a red kite and that was a real you know red letter day and now you can see and now i can see three from my spot. garden in in north hampshire yeah. pretty much every day um which is fantastic for my kids you know i never grew up I and mean, it's a fantastic yeah. species for engaging but the general public it, 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 with magnificent wildlife it? it's a beautiful beautiful bird but you know my job at this time of year is working on breeding lapwings and curlews in and sort of I was out a few days ago watching a pair of lapwings fending off three red kites and a buzzard and with, a, with a brood of chicks. Yeah. You know, I'll go out with a flag, which, <laughs> which the curly lapwing isn't going to understand is for it. So none of us yeah, yeah. expected or, or properly thought through the full implications of nobody ever releasing about. kites. Yeah, you know, the, the it's great to have them, but reintroduction now we're in a tricky position where we've got two red-listed species, sort of interacting yeah. um, and as I say so that's a classic example of where we need a more open debate um, and again more yeah. research about how we really can a thing when it comes to deal with that sort of issue as much yeah. as every land manager would go all right we're not going to kill them all because nobody wants to kill them all but I say I've got a population of 50 and I had a population of two can we draw a line somewhere of the holding capacity of the ground yeah um, unfortunately that would also require the shooting public to understand that if we were going to play the holding capacity game it means we wouldn't be able to stock pheasants in any number of which we currently do, which yep. it's it's a double-edged sword at the end of the day, but I, I, I don't know. Again, you know more, a lot more than I would on. on yeah, you've just itself. touched on another emotive one, yeah. is, is the scale of pheasant releasing, which we know has increased hugely in yeah, the indeed. last 20 years. Yeah. Um, 
So, you know, in answer to your initial question, I think the nature of shooting in you know, 20, 30 years' time will have changed quite a bit from what we know and love today. Know and love today, exactly. Or have known and loved for the last 20 yes. years. Yes. You know, hopefully the some of these debates will have played out and will have gathered a lot more evidence to inform the debate. Um, yeah. But inevitably, I think the shooting community as, as well as other conservation organisations are going to have to accept some degree of change. Indeed. As I said, it's all about middle ground and finding middle ground is yeah. important. I mean, it's extremely yeah. important, but it is often hard when, yes. when talking with people who dislike what we do to sort of understand that we need to do a little bit of it to, to, to justify the expenditure of yeah. things that you do and things that keepers do and work kind of thing. So, yeah. very good. If anything, in reality, woodcock shooting is probably the most sustainable of the lot, <laughs> ironically. I think, yes, you know, if we're sensible about it, yeah, yeah. you know, and continue to monitor numbers, it, it could be pretty sustainable. Yeah. Which is yeah. a little glimmer of hope for the future, yes. nothing else, yes. <laughs> uh, Thank you very much. It's been an absolute pleasure to be educated somewhat on some tiny minor scale <laughs> about woodcock. And I hope you guys have enjoyed it too. Thank you very much for watching. Thank Take you. care. Goodbye. Cheers. And uh, we'll see you soon, mate. Thank okay. you.